Hello and welcome to UW Oshkosh Police Department's UWOPD On The Mic podcast. This is a podcast developed by the UW Oshkosh Police Department that focuses on having authentic conversations around safety, policing, resources, and questions that we hear from our community members. The idea is to provide our community members with answers to questions that will ultimately increase their desire to partner with us and really other law enforcement agencies that will help them solve problems, reduce the fear in our community, and build stronger relationships with each other. And today we're in the room with some really great guests, and we're going to talk about sexual violence, Title IX, and how that impacts our students, and also how we can kind of connect our students and folks who exist in our community to resources. So I'm super pumped about this episode. There's uh, actually smiling faces in the room today, and this is the first time we've uh, Bluetoothed somebody into this adventure. Although I can see Rachel, she's sitting on the laptop over here. Hi, Rachel. Hello, Chris. <laughs> we're going to go around the room and introduce ourselves, and then we'll get into our discussions. My name is Chris Tarman. I'm the acting chief of police here at UW Oshkosh PD, and I think by now you probably all know who I am, so let's get into the real guests. Rachel, do you want to say hello and talk a little bit about who you are? Sure. I'm uh, Rachel Kronicke, and I'm the Title IX coordinator at UWO. I work with students, staff, faculty, community members about any questions related to Title IX and sexual misconduct. Excellent. Thank you so much. And we'll definitely dig into what that means and how that impacts our students in a little bit here. But Brenda, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. My name is Brenda Doolittle, and I'm the supervisor for the nursing forensic department at Aurora and Oshkosh. I've been a nurse for over 23 years, and that's about me. Excellent. Well, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. And I think it's going to be a great conversation. And Christy, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Christy Herrick. I'm one of the nurse practitioners at the UW Oshkosh Student Health Center. I actually went to undergrad and grad school here, and I've worked at the Student Health Center for almost nine years. Excellent. Oh, okay. Thanks for joining us. This is great. I actually remember sitting through a presentation from Aurora. Oh, man, it might be six or seven years ago. And you... Was it me? I don't know who put the presentation on, but there was a new technology that came out it was a, a digital imaging camera that kind of did some yes, different that things was me. Mm-hmm. i'm just wondering if you could share quickly about what types of things you offer for for people who might be involved in a sexual violence incident sure so we have registered nurses that are on call 24 7 we offer sti prophylaxis to treat anything that someone may have contracted such as chlamydia, gonorrhea, something called trichomonas and bacterial vaginosis. Also offer evidence collection, which someone could report or not report to the police. And that's always important to give them that empowerment of making their own decisions. We take forensic photos and we do have a specialty camera that is called SDFI. And that stands for Secure Digital Forensic Imaging that camera is just incredible. It takes three photos. So when we take a photo, it, ta- it, it will store a JPEG, a raw image. The raw image is, holds up in court because it can't be manipulated. And then the negative invert is very valuable. It, it enhances injuries that we may not see um, more on darker skinned individuals. But I have seen petechiae, which is broken blood vessels, come out in a strangulation case in the negative invert, very much more apparent than it is with a naked eye. So we offer an advocate at every session with a sexual assault patient. And I think that's about it. Okay. So you said a couple things in there, and I want to 
I guess, dig into that a little bit. So if I'm, if I'm a student or I'm in the community and I have been sexually assaulted or raped, what do I do? Where do I start? Do I, I mean, I mean, I'm assuming I'm, and I know the answer to this question, but I'm asking Mm -hmm. this so that our listeners can hear this, but I mean, I might start at a police department, Mm -hmm. but like you said, you know, you offer a sane exam Mm -hmm. or an evidence collection exam where you could just come in and get a sane exam. And basically it gets kitted up in an evidence kit and a police department can pick it up and send it to a lab or hang on to it Mm -hmm. until you choose to report. So is that kind of what you were talking about in that area? Yes, yes. So uh, we can collect evidence without the patient reporting. And I send that actual evidence kit to the crime lab in Madison, and they hold on to that kit for nine and a half years. And it's nine and a half years um, because it usually takes about six months to get through the court systems. So they destroy it at 10 years. That's just really important to offer that to them because at the time, with the incident that happened to them and all these other things running through their heads, it's hard for them to make clear decisions at that time being in so much stress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Christy, if somebody came into the health center at UW Oshkosh, I mean, how would you help them in this situation? We like to let students know that yeah, if you come in, yeah, you don't need an appointment. We will get a registered nurse or a nurse practitioner to talk to you within probably a couple minutes and that we are confidential and what we can do is we'll usually bring you to like just a safe location, usually so that people feel comfortable and it's more one-on-one talking. And we talk to you about yet yeah, resources as far as that at the health center, we are not seeing nurses, so we don't collect the evidence, but we can talk to you more about what Brenda does. And we worked with Brenda and toured her facility. So we know a little bit more and feel more comfortable with what we can let you know what to expect. And then at our facility, if people feel kind of like they're not sure what options that they have, we can let you know about campus resources as far as uh, the Title IX coordinator and different processes that the campus offered, things that I actually didn't even know when I was a student, that the uh, Title IX with their own processes to help if need be, and that about police department involvement versus not and kind of what that looks like. What about uh, like a health, trying to think, a health advocate or I want to get the morning after pill or, you know, is that something that the health center offers or where can that stuff be found? Correct. Yes. So that is something that, uh, as far as certain medications, there are usually costs for typical visits, but if there is a sexual assault patient that comes in, we can also treat you yet with the morning after pill, the emergency contraceptions. We can also treat you for chlamydia, gonorrhea, trick or trichomonas, and also bacterial vaginosis too. And we don't charge you when you're a sexual assault victim for those medications. There are limits, of course, because I know there's other treatments as far as even um, like hepatitis B immunizations that the SANE nurses. So they, uh, we also will talk to students about what things we can treat, like the ones I just mentioned, but also what SANE exams would offer, potentially. You're saying these are typically free, right? Like services offered through students, like the fees they pay already? Correct. Okay. And then for Aurora? <clears throat> yep. Everything is free with us as well. If if you experience a sexual assault, that's cov- covered through a fund in Wisconsin called the SAFE Fund. So that's a sexual assault forensic exam fund. Everything in the appointment is covered. The nurse's physical assessment, the medications, everything is, is covered. But if you are coming in to see us and it may be a domestic violence strangulation situation, That is not covered under the SAFE fund. If a sexual assault is involved on top of that, everything will be covered. 
So unfortunately, at this time, there is not a fund for domestic violence, but there are other things I can talk about later. Okay. So the reason I chose to talk about sexual assault, nurse examiner, and those types of things right away is because that's really important. You know, if you don't, if you experience a situation and you don't want to report the situation, it's still still really important to connect with a healthcare provider mm-hmm. so that we can obtain evidence that maybe would be helpful in the future. Now, it's also important to understand that you don't have to report this to the police. You don't have to report it as an investigation. You can literally go to a healthcare provider, get evidence taken, and have it stored for when you're ready to do something like Mm -hmm, that. So mm -hmm. if you experience sexual violence, it's just really important to understand that those things are available. And then my next question, before I get to Rachel, because I want to talk to Rachel too, but let's say I'm just not sure I'm ready to go in and have that conversation. How how do you help them with that? You know, because it's, we got in this room and there's mics in here and we're doing a podcast and that's intimidating, but Mm -hmm. I could imagine the intimidation of walking into a room and telling a story like that. Can you talk a little bit about how you help somebody understand that it really shouldn't be intimidating? This is literally what you do to help folks out. Sure. Yes. It's, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's very, very intimidating and it's very stressful. Um, It's embarrassing for them. They think it's their fault. Um, But, you know, Everything that we do helps them get through the process with that advocate being emotional support, physical support, and that really the important thing for us. And I forgot to mention before, we also offer HIV prophylaxis, which is if you would contract it HIV and it was in 72 hours and you came to us, we could give you that HIV medication and that will actually prevent that from getting into the cell and prevent HIV. So that medication is very expensive, but Aurora will pay for all of all of that as well. And that also goes to the fact of it's super important if something like this were to happen to just mm-hmm. come in and do yes. those things, right? Mm-hmm. That very would help. important. Yeah. Yes. That's great. I, I really appreciate you sharing some of those things. And I, I just want to talk to Rachel for a second about, you know, if... I mean, we're at UW Oshkosh. This is the UW Oshkosh Police Department podcast. And so I do want to lean a little bit towards our community. And, you know, for years, I've worked here for 15 years. And I remember the first few years thinking like, what is Title IX? I have no idea what that means. I don't understand that. And I think probably through the lens of a student, it's probably a similar thought process. What is Title IX? And so Rachel, can you just share a little bit about what is that? What's Title IX? And how do I connect with that? How do I connect with you? So the Cliff Note version of Title IX is that it is the the law uh, under the Department of Education that prevents or addresses sexual discrimination. Um, so basically, if you think of it as a continuum, on one end of the spectrum, it might be inequities in programming. A lot of people think of Title IX uh, specifically as the, the rule or the law that allows women to play men's sports. And so I know that even in our house, like how does sexual assault even factor into any of that? But on the other end of the spectrum is gender-based violence. And that's how it kind of folds in together. And so I handle kind of a little bit of all of that. The Title IX coordinator is just that. I coordinate the connections between the different departments and community outreach as needed in relation to what the, the student or staff or faculty wants. Okay, so let's just say that somebody comes to you. They end up talking to you because they're on the 
Title IX website for UW Oshkosh, which I think is uwosh.edu forward slash T-I-T-L-E-I-X, right? I'm going to say yes, but I'm going to say very easily, if you need to get in contact with me or you need to know anything about Title IX, just go to the UWO website and link in the little search bar, search Title IX. It's the first hit every time. And then that way you can connect with a myriad of, of departments that are under or that are connected with me for Title IX, but also my contact information. Perfect. So T-I-T-L-E and then space I-X in the search at UW Oshkosh, and you should be able to find that website. And that really is going to get you to a page where you could connect with probably everybody in the room too. The page was built specifically so you understand non-confidential reporting, confidential reporting, who you connect with, what is confidential reporting, what if I report to police department? Do they have to report it to Title IX? And then I think there's an interesting discussion here because almost every time if, if Title IX is involved, there's two very separate investigations going on. So if, if the police get an investigation and we're doing the sexual assault investigation for a crime, that's different than Title IX. And so I'm just wondering if you could share a little bit about what a Title IX investigation looks like that isn't related to a criminal investigation. I can tell you with regard to investigations that there is a separate investigation process. So without going into too many details, we also offer informal resolutions, which allows a student to choose a more kind process that allows them to continue their educational process. The more robust, full-on investigation is just what anybody would think would be involved in that, and it's a full investigation meaning there's sides, there's interviewing, there's everything that goes along with that, uh, evidence collecting. Um, but we do offer a multitude of, of different options. And at least in current state, it's at the direction of the person that's bringing the complaint. Okay. Yeah, that's great. And I was thinking, you know, if you came, let's say you did come into the police department and you want to report that there was a sexual assault, we're going to take your information. We're going to do kind of, Brenda talked about this. I think our process would be that we would call reach counseling or we would call a counseling center and we would have somebody respond. We don't even ask somebody. We just get them here. Mm -hmm. That way, if you want to talk to somebody, they're already here and you can make that decision without having to say, I, I want to call somebody like we're just going to make that happen. And so we would then partner that person with you. And we, we did a, a different podcast. It's actually called sexual violence. And then there's a reach counseling piece to it. And, and we talk a lot about that in there. What does an advocacy look like? But I think it would be important to understand just in this discussion too, you don't have to do this alone. You, you literally can accept an advocate. And what does that mean, Brenda? Like what, what happens when you do that? Yeah. And we do the same thing. We, we just call an advocate because, you know, patients are so kind and thinking about everybody else and not themselves at the time, that if you ask them, they will say, no, I don't want to wake that person up. So that's why we just call an advocate automatically, get them in. And that advocate is phenomenal because she will make them feel more comfortable, distract them, just provide emotional support. And then after, even follow them through the whole process. If something would go to court, they are with them, you know, the entire time. So they don't have to do any of that alone. Yeah. So it's really somebody who oftentimes might even have lived experience mm -hmm. in some sort of a situation and they will come alongside of you. They'll be there with you. They'll help you understand some of the things that we're talking about. They'll help you understand the difference with Title IX. They'll help you understand the difference with a criminal investigation. What is that going to look like? 
you know, when we do an investigation from a police department aspect, we're really trying to get your, your story once, right? We don't want you to have to tell it to 10 different people because we understand that that is also traumatic. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to try to get all of these folks in the room so that they can hear your story. A lot of times too, for Rachel, she would take our report and our investigation and utilize that information to help build the foundation for what she needs. And then she may just reach out to get a few extra details. Is there anything that I might be missing in that, Rachel, or does that seem similar to what you would do? Yeah, the only thing that I would want to add is that uh, a lot of times I'll do a, a reach out in response to something that I had received either from police or dean of students, etc. And I don't need to go into details. My first meeting is to just let you know that I'm available and what other options are available to you either on campus or in the community. So we don't ever have to go into any of the details of what you already needed to disclose or wanted to disclose through police or another another uh, department. So I think that that's important because a lot of times people, by the time they reach me, are, are pretty tired. Yeah, and I would also add that, you know, if you do come and report to the police department, then we are required to notify Rachel. And so she'll immediately reach out to you. So it's just important to understand that if, if we get a report, we are required then to report it to Rachel and then she's going to have some information. But if, I, if, if I'm a student and I go in and I report to Christy, that's different, right? Correct. We're being medical. We are confidential. We can talk about the reporting process and we can talk about if we should file a report, but that's uh, more on the student as far as their decision. That anything that we discuss is uh, all confidential. That's a great opportunity for you to get in a space, kind of talk about how do I navigate a process? What does that look like? What are some of the things that I could experience? And then it's just a comforting way to think, all right, I can talk to somebody. And I would say that's the same for the UW Oshkosh Counseling Center and really any counselors that you would go to, right? Yes, because they're confidential as well. Yeah, where we're that safe space right on campus that can tell you about your options and then hopefully help you kind of see what's best for you in the end. But ultimately, the student or the person gets to decide, but yeah. Okay. As I think about this, and I think about being a student who maybe was involved in a circumstance like this, and now I'm starting to think, well, I don't know about telling my parents. I don't really know about, is it going to hit their insurance? Like, I'm interested in, you know, like, what are things that I should worry about as I think about reporting this? That, this is Brenda. <laughs> Um, that is one of the biggest uh, reasons why the students don't report because they think their parents will find out about the assault and they want to keep that private. So that's something very important I forgot to mention with that safe fund. So that goes through the safe fund. It does not go through their parents' insurance. So they will not know, you know if anything happened. It's their choice if they want to disclose that to their parents or not. Okay, and then is there anybody who would help me with that? Like, what if I, what if I think I want to tell my parents, but I'm not really sure? Is that something an advocate would maybe help me with? Or is there somebody else who could help me walk through what that might look like? Would somebody even do something like that with me? Yes. The advocate, I've experienced this multiple times, especially with UWO students. The advocate will, you know, just kind of talk about, you don't need to tell them. It's your choice. You know, this happened to you. So do what's comfortable for you. And it's nice to know that they have those other options. Yeah. So if they don't want to tell them, they don't have to. Oftentimes you want to hear that you're not the only one. Mm -hmm. You know, is there a story that you think maybe would help somebody realize that 
it just wasn't just you. It wasn't just a situation that, you know, like that would help them understand that it's okay to come and report and talk about a situation. As we take reports here on campus, the story is often, I, I didn't feel like I was sexual assaulted or the definition of sexual assault isn't what I felt or I didn't say no, but I certainly felt no or I just didn't say anything at all. I'm just interested if, if there's a story or if you can talk a little. This is really open up to any of you, you know, just wondering your thoughts. Sure. Um, so we tell them, you know, you saying no, you don't have to say no. You know, it's also about body language and and we we just really we su- support them in, in letting them know that the assault was not their fault because that is what they think of right away. And they're so gracious that they will even defend the perpetrator uh, because they think it's their fault. That's just the human nature of the first thing. I think maybe defense mechanism or something, you know, like, why did this happen? Did I do something to cause this to happen? So that's really important for us to let them know that, no, this is not your fault. That you don't go out on the street, walk around, you know, wanting to be sexually assaulted. You know, that's not something that's <laughs> normal. So. Yeah. So then the next questions I get here at UW Oshkosh are, well, I was out at a party. I drank a lot of alcohol. What? How does that change my decision-making process? Is it, do I, you know, like these are just questions that we hear. And so I'm just thinking these are questions that students are going to have. Did that change anything regarding that statement? No, mm -mm, not at all. And actually we have something called drug facilitated sexual assault. So if the victim comes to us within 24 hours, we can draw their blood and get a urine sample that is sent to the crime lab in Madison just to make sure that they weren't drugged with anything. But I'm talking about that because that's also about alcohol. So if they were too incoherent from alcohol to make any decision, that's you know also something that someone else should not have taken advantage of that situation. Which is another reason why it's really important to come in sooner than later, right? Because those tests are good for... It's actually 96 hours. We can take urine um, up to 90... Actually, they just changed it. It's 120 hours. We can take urine up to five days, and that is sent to the crime lab. But that we can only do if someone reports to the police. So the crime lab will only take that if they report to the police. Okay. So these. this is a lot of... A lot of things, a lot of mm-hmm. things to think about. And so the other questions I usually get are, to, to your point about being nice and thinking about the person, I don't know the exact stat on this, but I would say more than 80% of the alleged person or the perpetrator who committed an act of violence against, a sexual violence against somebody is somebody you know, right? So question might be, what happens to them? Rachel, I'm interested just hearing from you. I mean, do they have some rights in a Title IX aspect of what the person who's on the other side of a report might get for resources, or what, what does that look like? Under Title IX, anybody that is alleged to have committed any gender-based violence, they're afforded the same rights as the complainant. So what that means is they have access to counseling, they have access to academic accommodations, everything is is treated through an equity lens. Yeah, and I just want to talk about that because I think we care about people. And I mean, Brenda, you kind of said this too. I mean, people don't want to report or 
I'm not sure what's going to happen to them. Well, especially on the campus, there's literally the same rules apply where we're going to afford them very similar things. And so just giving a little bit of confidence in the fact that they're not going to be treated like the worst person in the world. They're, they're going to have their right to talk about the story, what happened, all of those things, and get access to counseling and have accommodations as well. Is there anything anybody wants to add about that? Yeah, I think I'd like to just add that the Title IX coordinator is a neutral role. So that is something that I actually cover at length with all of the parties. Definitely, as it relates to the person that's coming in first, generally, what who we called the complainant, I explained that, you know, you might deal with betrayal from my office because I am sharing the same things. I am offering the same care and diligence to both parties. So I want you to understand that, that if you hear that I've also reached out to the, to the respondent, it is not because I don't believe you or I don't care. That is honestly why I like to call the advocate in because that that person can actually provide that more hands-on role with advocating for a side, which is not my role. So that's something that I think is very important to share with everybody. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. You know, and as you were talking, I was thinking, okay, where do I go and report, right? We've kind of touched on this, the the normal places would be the police department or maybe the Title IX office. And if you land in the Title IX office website, you, there's, there's ways to figure out whether it's confidential or non-confidential. We've talked about the health center. We certainly know that we can report to Aurora. I think you could go to any medical facility and report a sexual assault here on campus. I think you could go to the Dean of Students office. You go to the counseling center. You probably could talk to your community advisor, your resident hall director, Director. For us, there's mandatory training with positions on campus. And so, Rachel, I'm just interested if you could talk about, you know, let's say I feel really comfortable with somebody who teaches a class that I'm in, and I think I could share what happened there. Do they have obligations to receive the information? What does that look like? Excellent question. So, yes, uh, the only two places that are confidential on campus are the Wellness Center and I. Sorry if I got your name wrong. Uh, um, and you mean Student counseling. Health Center? Yeah, Student Health Center. Just, so, Health just not Center. to confuse Thank it with you. the actual fucking wellness. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, no, no. You're perfect. And then also counseling. So outside of that, everybody else is required to submit a report to me. And then uh, what that is, is there, there's a form out on my website and you need to fill in as much information as you can. When I do get reports from the confidential resources, if they've disclosed the name, I do reach out to that name. If they have not disclosed the name, then I log that information away for what's what's known as Cleary, which is a whole other ball of wax we won't get into right now, but it's a requirement from the federal government that we track the report. But when when I do receive a report from a faculty or staff member, I do reach out to the students. And again, it's just that very high level. I'm available if you need resources. I can provide you information on supportive measures or reporting options, both on campus and off campus. And then we go from there, whatever whatever is wanted by the student. Yeah, that's great. And I, I guess I was just thinking too, you know, it could be, we, we talked about the Wellness Center a little bit. So we have Student Rec and Wellness Center, Recplex, Greenhagen. I mean, there are literally hundreds of campus student jobs, right? If you work for any of those areas and you're like, I just really appreciate my supervisor or somebody I work with there. I want to report to them. 
if it's somebody who works at UW Oshkosh in one of those capacities, they're going to have a requirement to report information to Rachel. So outside of the counseling Including center and the health student center. student employees. Yes. Yep. So if you're a student yep. employee or an employee and uh, somebody comes to you and reports information to you, you have an obligation to report that to Rachel unless you're in the health center or the counseling center. And then that would start a process where Rachel kind of just described where she would reach out to you. Right. It's not an obligation to start an investigation. It's an obligation to report to Rachel and Rachel, then you would then reach out to the person who reported the information and let them know what they have available to them. Correct. Correct. Okay. I'd like to add something about coming to Aurora. So just so a, a victim knows that they, they can just come to the emergency room without anybody calling. So if they come to the emergency room and they report an assault, then the ER uh, physician will have the SANE nurse um, called in. SANE, SANE stands for Sexual Assault Nurse Examiner. We're also called forensic nurses because we take care of all um, people that are affected by violence. So I just wanted to mention that they can just come to the hospital, but also they could they could call the hospital supervisor themselves or they could call the front desk at Aurora, you know, and ask them questions too. Uh, so that number would be four five six seven four zero zero. Just wanted to mention that, and that a sexual assault nurse, forensic nurse, can talk to that patient on the phone before they come in to give them all the information and their and and options of care that they would um, have available to them. Just, I think that would help the anxiety and make them feel a bit a little bit more comfortable coming in yeah so uh, thank you so much for sharing that I think one thing that I I I just remember in my own 2023 mind is that 920 is important so 920-456-7400 yep and then the student health is 920-424-2424 correct yes all right that was a test for my own mind and I just remember (laughs) that because if you divide yours in half you get nine two zero four two four one two one two, which is the police department yes. number. So uh, these are the weird ways I remember things. So don't <laughs> judge me for that. But, um, it's just important that you have the information, and we'll put some of this in the details of our podcast so you have access to that too. But I'm interested too. I mean, I, th- I think I know this, but I mean, it doesn't matter if it's two o'clock in the morning or five o'clock in the morning or whatever. At Aurora, it's twenty four seven, three sixty five. Sunday doesn't Monday, Tuesday, Saturday, what whatever, right? Correct. It does not matter at any time uh, that forensic sexual assault nurse will be available for them to to see them and okay. um, help them through the process. And then for the health center, your hours are a little bit different. Correct. Yes. So your hours are listed on your website, but can you share a little bit generally about what they are? The hours, yes, they are listed on the website. During the 14-week academic semesters and the J-term and May-term, it's usually Monday through Friday at 8 to 4.30. Tuesdays, it's 10 to 4.30. And then during summer or during like think winter break, spring break, things like that, it's 9 to 3 Monday through Thursday. So in a little bit more shortened hours just because there's usually less students on campus. Sure. So if you're not open, Aurora is open. And then how do I get to Aurora if it's late at night and I can't walk to the health center on campus? Any thoughts about that? Sure. Uh, UWO offers transportation to Aurora Health as well. I've worked with Chris Tarman and uh, we've set up several options that, you know, depending on availability and depending on what the student that needs the resource wants at the time, you can be accompanied either by uh, CSO, uh, which 
Chris helped me. Community service officer. Security officer. Com- yep, community oh, service officer. Yep. Um, it, or a police officer to go to Aurora Health to receive a SANE exam. In very short order, we should have a can- uh, the advocate should be on campus as well. Obviously, that she won't be there one o'clock in the morning if you call at that time. But we also work with Reach Counseling, who provides advocacy to the campus. And so you can reach out through me or directly to the advocates through Reach Counseling and ask for a ride to Aurora Health for a scene exam. Yeah, so if you call UW Oshkosh Police or you go to the UWO mobile app and, and chat with a dispatcher, you could just say, I want a TICS ride, a T9 ride or whatever, and they will just give you a ride. They're not going to ask you questions. It doesn't mean that you have to report anything in that moment. It's just a free ride. Brenda, are there any city resources that are available like that too? There's the city bus, but that's only during business, right, only during yeah, the I day. Yeah, I think that's yep, when those um, run. But I just want to stress that if if – that is something that they're worried about. We will figure it out. We will get them back here. We will. We always figure it out. We help them through that. Okay. So there, we really. I think if you're catching this, the the theme of this podcast is that if something like this occurs, there are a ton of people out there. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of resources. I know it's intimidating, but the idea is that you reach out to one of these spaces or some of the folks we talked about, whoever you feel comfortable with. And they're going to figure out how to connect you to where you need to go. And if it feels like a burden, because I know that that's the first place people go in their mind, it's not. This is literally what we do. I mean, the reason we're doing this podcast is because it's that important. We really want our students and our community members to understand that there are resources out there. And I think most of the people in this room I've, I've worked with for a long time or enough that I understand their heart. Like this is why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. We literally want our students to be connected to resources and not, not just students, our community members who live in the community who need access to these things. So uh, I like to mention something else. Sorry to interrupt. It's okay. Um, I just want to say that, you know, it's just very, very important for them to get help, um, to come to the hospital or, or t- talk to somebody, talk to a friend, don't leave this inside because if, if they do, if they, they keep this inside, it can cause depression, anxiety. Um, so just, I've had patients and I've seen the, the way they've healed by coming in and having that advocate and everything that we offer them at the beginning of the appointment, they're very standoffish, they would maybe have their head down, don't want to talk. At the end of the appointment, a lot of times they're giving us hugs. So it's very he- it's a very healing environment. And I just see that transition and it's, I see the importance of, of asking, you know, for help and receiving those services. Yeah. I mean, as you're talking about that too, the other thing I was thinking is, okay, I'm listening to this podcast and I was sexually assaulted 10 years ago. And I I heard it was important to be there early. I heard it was important to be there within a few days. Sometimes I didn't do that. Should I come in? Yes. Mm -hmm. Reach counseling, especially I think I I attended a women's center event maybe a year or so ago. It was virtual, but it was amazing. Just the, the level of understanding that they had and the way they presented information to let people know that there's no right or wrong reaction mm-hmm. in the moment. Like we all have our ideas of how we would respond to certain events in life, especially something like a sexual assault, if it ever occurred, hopefully not for people, but as we know, that happens, but um, that there's no right or wrong. And just the way they even talked about like reclaiming their bodies and kind of getting their self-esteem back, those individuals, I was really I felt really like encouraged and empowered after listening to them mm-hmm. that they seem to really get it and help people heal. 
And by coming into the hospital, they don't have to do anything. We could just connect them with resources. You know, we could be that health information for them to get get through the process. Yeah. So even if it's years later, they mm-hmm. can come in and yeah. you're going to be able us. to help navigate that. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes the same for Rachel as well, like a time. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, so even if it's years later or something that has nothing to do with the school or your time at university at all, I can still connect you with resources. It might look like counseling. It might look like uh, schedule changes. It might look like a break. And we, we work through whatever we need to work through at that time. But we have lots of tools available to us. Yeah. And so if you're listening and you're thinking, you know, I, I really should, this is the time where I could tell somebody my story. Again, I think almost everything we've talked about still applies to you outside of maybe a SANE exam or something like that. But those resources, connecting to people, connecting to an advocate, all of that stuff is exactly the same. Yeah, uh, people don't, you know, uh, survivors, um, I don't like to always say victims, but survivors of uh, violence, they they don't know where their resources are and they don't know where to go. So that is one of the most important things for us as nurses. I mean, we, we get out in the community, we participate and take back the night. We have our nurses there. A lot of nursing students come and, and ask us, how do I become a forensic nurse? How do I become a sane nurse? So getting the word out there of what we offer and the most important thing to know is that you're not charged and your parents' insurance will, will not be billed. Yeah. So that's that those are the, the those are the things we really want to get out there in the, the community and let them know, you know, how how they can get help so they're not afraid to get help. Well, I appreciate that. And I think the other re- the other thing I want to talk about too is I mean Brenda's in here from Aurora and so let's just say that you know that your insurance insurance does not cover Aurora. Like Aurora is not my hospital, it's not my health net- network. I think Aurora has really taken a leadership stance on this and has networked with almost every other healthcare facility in the area, right? Yeah, it's, you know, this type of service is, it's more of a community service that the hospital offers. So this isn't something the hospital is making any revenue off of. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it's just really important to know that, that they can come in, you know, they're not, it doesn't matter what, you know, if they go to Mercy, if they go to Theta, it doesn't matter what doesn't matter um, health if facility hospitals in yep, Illinois, in a somewhere. different state, doesn't matter. The safe fund, if the uh, crime occurred in um, Wisconsin, the safe fund will cover all services. We they, work with many other uh, police departments. So, for instance, if a crime occurred in Beaverdam, yeah. and they're coming to us for help. We work with the Beaver Dam police if they want to report. We would not if they didn't want to report, but we help them through that process as well, and we work with the other police agencies around the area. Yeah, and I think if you're not in Oshkosh or you're not in the Fox Valley and you can't or you don't want to drive to this location, mm-hmm. I think, Christy, yes. I think you're right. You certainly should just go somewhere yes. and tell somebody. Mm-hmm. They would get you the resources if they're not the specific place that maybe has SANE exams. They will, there's got to be a place nearby. Yeah, they'll figure it out. Yeah, right? they will. They'll, they'll figure, figure it out. out. They'll connect you to the resources they know that are available. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this was a great conversation. So, I Go ahead, Rachel. So I just wanted to add that uh, sane nurse, and correct me where I might be wrong, uh, Brenda, mm-hmm. but a sane nurse is a very specially trained nurse in the area of collecting, collecting evidence 
and then later being able to testify if needed. We're all registered nurses. We have 18 nurses now, the most we've ever had. I'm so proud of that because I've had five for a long time. But yeah, it's it's a very specialized type of nursing. Um, they have a lot of training for that. The 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 on the job training foreshadowing and getting through seeing all the different types of patients we see can take up to four months. And even if they come into the ER, like let's say that there's a hospital and ER they, they went to and they don't have SANE services. Well, then they would connect with us and then we would see that patient just, just so everyone knows that it's, it's not a quick appointment. You know, at a minimum, it's going to take three hours because we, we go very slow. We give them the choice of what they want to do, think about, take their time, provide trauma-informed care. Just let them make their own decisions and empower them at that time because they didn't have any choices when they had the assault, hap- the assault happen to them. Yeah, so you give them extra time yes. to mm-hmm. manage through that situation. Yes. Okay. So this is the time in the podcast where I typically think we've covered most of the things I wanted to cover. So the, the last question, or I guess before I ask the last question, is there anything anybody wanted to share that I did not talk about yet? I think mainly I just want to let people know that if you've been a victim of sexual assault, that we usually try to make sure that they know that uh, we're very thankful that you share your story, mm-hmm. that we definitely want to be here to help. And because we are in these positions and these different titles and different roles that we all have, that we do really, yeah. Thank you for sharing because we know it is difficult. Yeah. And actually what you just said is really my last question. My last question is if you could tell the survivor of a situation like this one thing, what would it be? And I think that's probably it, right, Christine? That's probably mine, yeah. I was like, thank yeah. you so much. And I usually do try to make sure I remember to tell everyone that's just close to me. Like, I bet that was really difficult and I really appreciate you telling me. And with what you're doing now, I tell some people, like, you're going to look at yourself years later and be really happy that you did pursue, like, help and healing now because uh, – then you won't be struggling as much later or maybe even at all later because you're actually working through this and helping yourself Yeah. and thank you. Yeah. Thanking them for sharing. Well, that's great. And I, I was thinking, you know, the one thing I would want to say is that your story is your story and, and you should be able to share it when you're ready Correct. and when you're comfortable and there's a lot of resources, but also you're not the only one who's had to go through a story like this and you shouldn't feel like you can't tell it. So just know that there's a lot of people ready and and waiting. And that's probably the one thing I would say, because I've heard some of the things too, like all of you have kind of said, there's a difference after they're done talking about it. And Mm -hmm. it certainly makes somebody, it frees their ability to Mm -hmm. start a healing process. And so what would that be for you, Brenda? Like I said before, the importance of reaching out and getting help, because there's even, there's a, a high suicide rate related to any type of trauma, if you're going to keep that inside and not, and not seek help. When, when patients come in and we, we congratulate them on how brave they were, you know, to come in. We, we hope and wish they would come in right away, but unfortunately that is not the case. It sometimes be like five, six days after, but just, just encouraging them and just letting them know that it's, it was so brave of them to come in and, and talk with us and get help. Okay. And I think probably another quick one with that is that to let them know that you, you are like believed. Like, yes. I feel like sometimes mm-hmm. society, you know, how you mentioned that, yeah, or kind of maybe alluded to that, Chris, where, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe, I don't know if there's shaming, there's diff- different things that people may take on. Let them know, like, yeah, we, we're here not to judge you. We're here to believe you. Correct. And 
yeah. and help. Well, and I think that's a valid point. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I would say there's been a several podcasts that we've talked about stigma and stigma is like this crazy thing that you can't get rid of. Right. And we understand things based on our experiences, what we see in the movies, what people tell us, what we hear, mm-hmm. how people have said things to us. People say th- that words, words are so powerful and they stick with you. Right. And so kicking those to the curb and thinking that you are yourself, you are the person and you were created for a purpose on this earth and people are here to help you. And I mean, we're in 2023, right? And I'll sometimes be on social media scrolling through something and I'm like, almost everything is negative. Mm -hmm. And so I push out positive things, but you can, it's really easy to eat negative things in our community right now. And I mean, there's no lie in this podcast that there are a ton of people ready and willing to be that positive thing for you. Mm -hmm. So get rid of the stigma. We are literally here to help you. Rachel, you got any thoughts? I think you I think you said it all. All of you. We're here to help and I'm here to share and connect you with resources. So whether you're a respondent or a complainant or just a student or have a question. I do have a lot of people that just call me for inquiries. Does this fit in Title Nine? Just reach out and I will give you options. Yeah, and Title Nine is Sexual violence, uh, dating violence, harassment, stalking, those are all things that I think if, you know, if you're not sure you need some resources, you could reach out to us and we will connect you, Rachel, myself, uh, any, any of us in the room really, and we'll connect you with a resource. There's another great resource in our community too for more domestic violence related things, and that's Christine Ann Center. Mm-hmm. And so maybe at some point we'll get them in here too to talk about some of the resources for that. That's probably a great idea. That'll be another podcast right. that we'll do. So we work with them a lot, and they actually will co- will call them, and someone will come to the hospital if a domestic violence strangulation situation, and they'll go through a safety plan with them and give them all sorts of information. Even I've just seen them help get the perpetrator off of a lease. So I didn't think that was something that they, they could help with, but they help with restraining orders. All of these things. Olivia is incredible at Christine Ann Center. Just love her. She is a wealth of information. Well, that's great. I'm glad you share that because I think sometimes we'll do a shout out too. And I mean, there's, there's just really great people who work in these spaces. And so when we talk about, you know, coming in and sharing your story, you're sharing your story with people who are ready to help you mm-hmm. get guided through the process. I just appreciate this conversation. I thank you so much for investing time thank in our in our us. community. Yeah, thank you. yeah, this is huge. I think this is a great opportunity for folks to just understand a little bit of process, a little bit about what the resources are. And if we missed a topic in here, reach out. Reach out to one of us. We're happy to answer that question for you. If you're not sure and you, you don't really want to talk about who you are, there's anonymous ways to report. You can go to that Title IX website. If you're on UWO Mobile, there's actually a report and incident in there, and you can do that anonymously. If you're at the UW Oshkosh Police Department website, there's a way to report anonymously in there. So there's a lot of ways. If you open up and load chat with a dispatcher on UWO Mobile, your name, your information is not on there. You can literally report and ask questions on there. We have no clue who you are. Uh, it's just good ways to connect. And, and we really built those systems so that people would get answers to those questions. I just want to say thank you to everybody in the room and for everybody listening. Again, if there's any questions, just let us know. Is there anything that uh, anybody else wanted to chat about before we call this one good? I think we covered everything.
All right. Well, thanks so much. And uh, if you're listening, we'll see you on the next podcast.